0: Well, good morning, everyone. I love our worship. You know, it's very simple, but boy, it's so worshipful. I'm so thankful. Um, There's a sign up sheet for the men's retreat. You still have time, guys, to sign up. If you haven't signed up, I'd encourage you to do so. Uh, The women had their retreat this past weekend, and everyone who has talked to me about it said it was just absolutely awesome. It was wonderful. And so you guys, you still have time to sign up for the men's retreat. Make sure you do so. Let's pray. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, and we thank you so much for the salvation that we have because of your great sacrifice on the cross, because there's no other name under heaven by which men must be saved. And we pray, Heavenly Father, as we break open your word this morning that it would speak to our hearts Encourage our souls and lead us in ways that allow us to be your ambassadors in this world. And Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would fall upon us this morning and truly minister to each need. Whatever it might be in this fellowship, whether it's physical, whether it's spiritual, whether it's social, whether, whatever it is, Lord, emotional. I pray that you would meet their need according to your riches and glory. And Father, I ask for your anointing as well. Recognizing that outside of you I have nothing to share and so father come and minister through me to these your precious people i pray in christ jesus name amen and amen you know this is a very interesting chapter we're in it's leviticus 15 if you want to turn there and um very interesting chapter as a matter of fact um I'm not going to be getting into detail and reading every verse, but it's actually um, on sexually transmitted disease is what it's about. And one of the things I was thinking about as I was preparing the message was this. If you had a viral staphylococcus bacterial infection, and I knew the cure, and I just stood by, and I watched you be ravaged by that disease and said nothing, and did nothing to encourage you on the cure, what kind of love would I have? I really wouldn't have very much love at all. But the fact is, I would do everything I possibly could to compel you to seek after the antibiotic that might completely take care of whatever disease it is you have. Well, the same thing is true in the Word of God, because we're going to be reading in the first uh, 12 verses, it's all about, you know... Um, venereal disease but then after that in verses 13 through 15 it's all about the cure the point is there's a cure for the greatest disease that we face and that's sin there's a cure in 1 John chapter 2 in verse 18 it says this little children it is the last hour and as you have heard the Antichrist is coming even now many antichrists have come by which we know that it is the last hour the zeitgeist or the spirit of the age is the many antichrists that's being talked about here and the spirit of the age in which we're living is a decadent indulgent age it's that's the age we're living in and in reality you and I as believers we have to resist the pull of the world and encourage others to do the same. And if we don't do that, then we're not ministers of the gospel that God has called us to. And so because of the time in which we're living, the job of the church has become more needed than any other time in history. And our calling, of course, brothers and sisters, it's not about politics, it's not about social movements, it's about Jesus Christ that's our ministry and him crucified and the fact is that the salvation of the soul belongs to any who believe you know i don't know how many of you know um, jerry and reggie mercer they come to the first service and and i love jerry has all these corny jokes that he shared with me and he came up to me this morning he said i gotta tell you a joke i said okay he said there was a guy who died, and he was at the pearly gates, and St. Peter came. We know, of course, that isn't the way it is. This is just a joke. And St. Peter came to meet him, and uh, St. Peter told the guy, you know, I have to tell you that we're on the 1,000-point system now to get into heaven. The guy goes, 1,000-point system? What's that? Well, it depends on, you know, the 1,000 points. If you don't have the 1,000 points, you can't get into heaven. And the guy said, well, I've always been a good person. St. Peter said, that's one point. He said, well, um, let's see. Um, I've always tried to be kind to other people. Well, not, now you've got two points. I've always loved my wife. Well, now you've got three points. Three points, the man said. He said, a thousand points. The only way I could ever get into heaven is by the grace of God. And Peter said, that's a thousand points. <laughs> and so we have to understand it's always by the grace of God. It's nothing we do that it gets us into heaven. The only thing we can do is say yes, Lord, yes. Yes, I accept and receive your salvation. That's the only thing that we can do. Now, Leviticus 15, as I mentioned, if if you're there, is one of the most difficult portions to cover as it's all about bodily discharges. And like I mentioned last week, for this reason I will not get into a lot of detail but attempt to give the overall spiritual implication or meaning of this chapter. And, um, but in actuality, we're going to be covering in this chapter probably uh, one of the most important topics that the believer should really be aware of, and that is that the church has fallen asleep. And we need to wake up. Because the fact is that the cure for what this world needs We have. The great physician has given us access to the antibiotic that is the cure for this world. And that antibiotic is his salvation that he procured for us by dying on the cross. And yet the church seems to have just gone into a sleep, into a lull, and doesn't think it's necessary to take the stand that the church once stood, an active stand for Jesus Christ. And I love that portion where it talks about the ten virgins. Remember that? All ten fell asleep. Even the five wise virgins fell asleep. And when the cry came out, the bridegroom's coming, which is analogous, brothers and sisters, to the second coming of Jesus Christ, to his rapture, for his taking the church out of the world, when that cry came, they all woke up and said, Oh, the bridegroom's coming. And the five foolish had no extra oil to trim their lamps. The five wives did. They trimmed their lamps. The bright light came up. And the oil, of course, is the Holy Spirit. It's related to salvation. And while the five foolish went to buy the oil, the bridegroom came and took his bride with him. And so we have to understand that the responsibility we have of shining a light in this dark world becomes increasingly more important as we see the zeitgeist, the spirit of this age, decaying all around us at an just amazing rate, an amazing rate. Now, almost all commentators believe that verses 1 through 12 of this chapter, which I'm not going to read, you can read it yourself, is speaking of VD, or sexually transmitted disease. VD, venereal disease, is taken from the Latin venereus, which is another name for Venus. And so many people, when they think of Venus, they think of, well, if you're my age, you think of Venus, goddess of love. Remember that song? They think of Venus, the goddess of love. But that isn't what she was. Venus was the goddess of lust. And, of course, when we talk about lust, it's not just physical lust. It's just lust, even, spirit, even emotionally and, and, and physically wanting the things of this world. And so we have to be inoculated against it. That's for sure. Now, many years ago, many, many years ago, when I was in graduate school, I actually wrote a research paper on venereal disease, believe it or not. And uh, one of the things that I found in, in my study that I thought was amazing and something I was very curious about, and I did all kinds of research, is we have no idea how venereal disease came into the human population because here's the interesting thing think about this if a woman or man have always been monogamous with one person have always been sexually pure there's not one recorded case of venereal disease not one it only comes in among those who are active in that area we don't even know where venereal disease came from. You know there are theories I mean I'm talking well far enough back that most of you who are here weren't even born when I did this research, so I don't know if anything new has come up, but um, there was even a theory one time that it was transmitted from man or from animals to men, and they suggested even from monkeys, and, and you know crazy thing like that. But the point is, if it was transmitted from animals to man, then why wouldn't you have monogamous? You know, people getting it as well. It had to come in some place, but there's no such cause or reason. And so the point, of course, that I'm getting at is the more we stay pure to the Word of God and to His teachings, the safer we are from all the ravagings of this world. Now, this I want to read to you from Romans chapter 1. I want you to go there because I think it's very related to what we read here in Leviticus 15, verses 1 through 12. So go to Romans chapter 1, and we're picking up with verse 24. Romans chapter 1, picking up with verse 24. Romans chapter 1, verse 24. Therefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness. In the lust of their hearts To dishonor their bodies. Notice that says dishonor their bodies. Among themselves. Who exchanged the truth of God. For notice it doesn't say for a lie. It says for the lie. And What is the lie? I want to be like God. No. Remember Adam and Eve. That was the lie of Satan. God knows if you eat of this fruit. You shall be like God. Knowing good from evil. That's the lie. And worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this reason God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged a natural use for what is against nature. Likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of women, burn in their lust for one another. Men with men committing what is shameful, now listen, listen to this, and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to debased minds, to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all ungodliness and sexual immorality. And so, This portion of Scripture is making it clear that immorality is destructive. And, of course, from this portion of Scripture, it's also talking about homosexuality. And some people might say, well, Pastor, I thought you have always said all sin is the same. It is. Whether you're dealing with homosexuality or whether you're dealing with alcohol or whether you're dealing with pornography, whatever you're dealing with, all sin is the same. But here's the difference. I'm recognizing it as sin and desire to have victory over it. You follow my point? There's a huge difference than just saying, well, you can't call this sin. Well, it is sin. The Bible says it's sin. It's not up to me. You're so judgmental. I'm not being judgmental at all. I'm reading the Bible. And here's the thing. I believe it. Because the point we have to understand is if we take any part of the Bible and say, I don't agree with that. We're calling God a liar. Let God be true and every man a liar. You know, the thing we have to understand, it's not just a simple thing to just say, well, I I don't really agree with that. I think times have changed. No, you're making a serious accusation against God Almighty when you do that. It's not a simple thing. The Word of God is the Word of God. Now, this might seem like I'm getting off topic a little bit. But I'm not. I'm going to be making a point. <clears throat> New York State, and it's not the only state, has now mixed in with the vaccines that they're attempting to require, a vaccine for young women called HPV, or human uh, papilloma viruses. not considering that it is even possible for young women to be chaste and not have sex before marriage. So, in other words, what we're looking at here, and it's overlooked by many people when they see this vaccine being forced upon upon us, it is a forced moral attitude. It's a moral attitude that young women are going to be promiscuous. It's just a foregone attitude. But we have to understand that we can't allow the state or we can't allow the government or we can't allow anyone else to force upon us what is contrary to what the Word of God says. And that's part of the bottom line behind it. Now, I'm going to share with you um, something to illustrate my point, okay? Now, this claim concerning the vaccine for the uh, you know, HPV virus, uh, the claim is that there are 40 HPV types that can spread from skin and mucous membranes of infected persons, and it causes papillomas or wart, warts, okay? And papilloma or warts are most, mostly benign, but the high-risk type of HPV, HPV type 16 and HPV type 18, can cause cancer. The claim is that the HPV vaccine prevents cancer um, caused by the HPV virus. That's what they're saying it does. Now, before I continue, let me share one thing here with you. The Internet is a wonderful thing. And um, when I was first in the ministry, and I had a study, and I had walls of bookshelves with all kinds of research books, so when I was working on a message, I could go and grab this commentary or grab this encyclopedia or grab this or grab that. I don't have any of that anymore anymore. Because I can use my computer and have more information than I would have had in twenty thousand, you know, libraries like that. I can find anything on the internet, and I have Bible, you know, um, programs that are just wonderful. But here's the point I'm trying to make: is that when you go online to look up anything, you have to be careful. Because if I go online and I type in, um, what is, what do you think of the Chevy? As America's favorite kind of car. And there's only some of you that know what I'm talking about when I say that. The Dinosaur Show. America's most favorite kind of car. But anyway, if I type in, uh, what do you, is Chevy the best car in the world? All the comments are going to oh, Chevy's the best car you could ever buy. I mean, it's fantastic. I mean, it's the..." Because you have people that are putting on... The ones who are selling the Chevys are putting these comments on there. And they even pay people to put comments on there to move their, you know, their advertisement up to the top. And so whenever you're searching out anything, you need to do it in a right way. Like independent reviews. Put it, put that in. Or... Negative reviews. Well, how do you put negative Well, I want to know what some of the negative reviews are. And the same thing is when you're looking at something like, you know, the uh, um, virus here, the HPV virus. You know, if you just put that in there, you're going to just get a lot of positive stuff, which is just rhetoric that they're trying to push on you. But here's some research that I found. Um, there, there is currently an HPV virus um, vaccine that's on the market, But understand, if there was any regard to scientific evidence, neither would would it be promoted so heavily as it is, or it would not even be promoted at all. The first of these vaccines is called Gardasil, and it was licensed by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, in 2006. It is now recommended as a routine vaccination for girls and women between ages of 9 and 26 in the United States. On October 25, 2011, the CDC Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices also voted to recommend giving the HPV vaccine to males. And I'm not going to get into all the details, but it doesn't even make any sense. Now... In an article titled that I found, you can find this too, The Jig is Up on Gardasil Vaccine. And I'm going to have a hard time pronouncing this name. Uh, Lucija Tomilovonovic, best I can do, PhD, poses this important question. Is it ethical to put young women at risk of death or a disabling autoimmune disease at a pre-adolescent age for a vaccine that has not yet prevented a single case of cervical cancer, a disease that may develop 20 or 30 years after exposure to AV, uh, HPV, when the same can prevent it by regular PAP screening, which carries no risk. On January 14th, 2016, Sing Heng Lee, medical doctor, wrote an open letter of complaint to the Director General of the World. Health Organization, Dr. Margaret Chan. Documents made available to him through the Freedom of Information request in New Zealand reveal evidence that the Global Advisory Committee on Vaccine Safety, the GACVS, they always have all these titles, deliberately misled the facts and figures of its report. And he went on to say, Now we may have some of the most damning, deliberate misinformation reports of all vaccines, the HPV vaccine, most commonly represented by Gardasil. The past uh, eight years of my research led me to conclude that the promotion of this pharmaceutical product and its new and improved version, he has in quotes, is nothing short of reckless endangerment of our youth. Well, what's the point? You know, why have I have you gone into such detail? I've gone into such detail to point out the fact that our world is completely decayed. And the fact is that it's trying to force its morality on us. You know, if you go into the school and, and you, you can promote just about anything. But if you promote your Christian values, you're in deep trouble. And I know that, as you guys all realize, I subbed for a lot of years. It's only the past year and a half I haven't subbed right here in our local high school, ESM High School. So I'm not just talking off the cuff or, you know, something that I'm unaware of. That's the facts. And so the moral attitude that this world is promoting is acceptance of those things that are contrary to the Word of God. What it's telling us, what the world is telling us, is absolutely natural and normal for young men and young women to be sexually active even at a very young age outside of marriage well I would think in a climate of feminism that this is a paradox and women should be thoroughly upset because who are the ones that are most affected by this kind of promiscuity women they get pregnant And one of the things when I did my research for my epidemiology class, the paper I was telling you about, is that there are a lot of times women are unaware that they even have the disease. Men are more aware of it. And who are the ones that carry the stigma? It's the women. For men, it's just, hey, look what's happening. Women are, you know, open. And so for men, it's like a very positive thing, but for women, it's a very negative thing. I would think there would be an outcry. If I were a feminist, which I'm not, for one thing I'm male, but if I, if I were a feminist, I would be all about chastity. Chastity. I'd be all about that. It's my body. I'm protecting myself from pregnancy, from unwanted disease, from all kinds of, of relationship heartache. Because the minute people get involved that way, whether they like it or not, they're involved more deeply than they should be. Not just physically, but emotionally it's a very dangerous thing now we're quickly coming to the place where our faith is and will continue to come into conflict with the godless morality of this pagan world and this only demonstrates to us that our world is ripe for God's judgment why is God going to judge the world like he will during those seven years of tribulation um, I could tell you a thousand reasons why. And that wouldn't even be enough time. That wouldn't even be enough reasons. This world is debased. It's completely rejecting of God's love. See, the thing we have to understand, sin came into the world by one man because he fell to the lies of Satan. And so for 2,000 years, the world was looking for someone that could free them from the sin caused by Adam. Adam. And that someone came, and his name is Jesus Christ. And he was without sin. And he died on the cross as a propitiatory sacrifice for my sin and for your sin. And no matter how deep your sin is, no matter how much sin you've ever committed, Jesus Christ has paid the atoning price for all forgiveness, all cleansing and restoration. It's not like, you know, in the Old Testament they talk about your sin being covered, which the Hebrew is kofar. But that's not what it is in the New Testament. Your sin isn't covered, it's removed. If we confess our sin, he's faithful in just what? To forgive us and purify us, remove all sin. How amazing is that? We have that opportunity to just call upon the name of the Lord. And so we have to understand that this world needs to stand and this church the church, not just this church, the church of Jesus Christ needs to stand up against the world and against popular belief that there is a cure. You know, we think about all these, you know, one of the greatest cures that, was ever, that ever, ever came across is penicillin. Well, I think penicillin is great. I mean, it saved countless number of lives. But let me tell you the greatest cure that has ever come into this world, Jesus Christ. Because one will just cure your body temporarily. You're still going to die. The other one will cure your body and cleanse your body of sin, which is eternal. Because when you die, you're going to go to be with the Lord. He died to cleanse our souls. Man is made of body, soul, and spirit. We all know that. The body is just your outward members, you know. And your your soul is your personality, it's it's your identity, it's who you are. And we never lose our self-identity, even in heaven. You understand that? And our spirit is that which communes with the Lord. Before salvation, our spirit's dead. That's why scripture says when we're born again, our spirit is quickened, which is a word for made alive. And now that we're born again, we are able to commune with God. And when we commune with God, it starts transforming our soul, our personality, of who we are, that it might help us take control of our body. Which is a constant battle, isn't it? Now, verses 15, or 13 through 15, as I mentioned, tells us of the cure. And it's not just a cure, what we're reading here is sexually transmitted disease, of sin. Of sin, it's a cure for sin. You know, the rest of this chapter, as I mentioned, has all kinds of sensitive issues that it deals with. You know, I'm not going to get into it. But what we have in this country is called a sexual revolution. But it's not really a sexual revolution. It's a rebellion against God. That's what we have. We have a rebellion against God. Every great society has fallen because of a sexual revolution. Did you know that at one time the Roman Empire was very moral? Did you know that? At one time the Roman Empire, you could be put to death for cheating on your wife. And when did the Roman Empire fall? When its it's society became so decadent that anything went. All about anything. Well... The thing we have to understand is that that's the way our heart is. The heart of man is exceedingly wicked beyond understanding. Who can know it? God can. And the fact is, as long as we're able to take breath, as long as we're alive, we are going to face temptation. You know, if someone says, you know what? Since I've been saved, I've never even been tempted by sin. Liar. Liar. And not just because I'm saying that, because God's word says that. We are all tempted by sin. For all have sinned. And we're tempted by sin. But the reality is that in Jesus Christ we're able to fight against it. Our fight will be until the day we die. You're never going to come to a place where you have victory over sin. Because the unfortunate thing is That our soul and spirit is housed within this tent, this spiritual body. And this spiritual body is so tempted by sin. And that's the reason one of the things that we always have to make clear when we're ministering to other people is this. You can be forgiven. I'm not judging you. I'm not putting you down. I'm not saying you're a bad person. I'm saying there's a cure. Because one of of the things that Pastor Frank Jr. and I have always said and mentioned Anyone's welcome in our church. You can come in here a drug addict. You can come in here a prostitute. You can come in here a homosexual. You can come in here a drunk. You're welcome in here. Can you imagine a hospital, if you came to the emergency room and they said, sorry, we don't accept sick people. Sounds silly, right? Well, same thing's true of the church. Sorry, we don't accept sinners. No, no, come on in. But we're not going to capitulate to your understanding of what is sin and what is not. We're going to stand in the word of God. We're going to encourage you in the word of God. And we're going to point out this is what the word says. But this revolution has led to this. How many young people today consider fornication sin? And you might be thinking, well, no, no, I'm saying I'm serious. How many young people even in the church consider it sin? Lust is attributed to human nature, which it is. And uh, differences uh, of opinion or adultery in marriage terminated by divorce rather than agape, unconditional love, and trying to work things out. Now, understand, I know there are some cases for divorce, there's, there's, that's it. You know what I mean? There's no reason. You can't help it because the person, if someone says, I'm done, what can you do? What can you do? And if something has broken your relationship apart and it can't come back together, what can you do? God's forgiveness is still there. But now you move on and you say, now in my new relationship or in life, whatever I'm getting into, I'm doing it right according to God's word. Okay? Now, pornography is just something that everyone does. But it's not something we struggle against. Your struggle against sin has not yet led to the shedding of blood, Scripture tells us. And so the fact is that things like pornography, we do deal with. We have computers. And you can be online looking anything up. It could be innocuous. It could be harmless. And all of a sudden you click a button, it's like, do doo doo. But we need to struggle against it. We need to struggle against sin of any type. We need to take a stand. Because, as I mentioned, every great empire has fallen for this reason. So I'm going to close with Isaiah 5. I want you to turn to this. I want you to listen to this portion of Scripture, what I'm reading to you, what you're reading along with me, Isaiah chapter 5, and I'm going to read verses 20 through 24. Because before i read this brothers and sisters here's the point i'm trying to get at i believe the church has fallen asleep i don't mean this church i mean the church has fallen asleep i don't think we see the relevance of our call today like we did years ago i don't think we have the heart of evangelism like we used to have i don't think we desire to give the clarion call of salvation to anyone who comes to jesus I think the church is asleep. We just go about our daily business. You know, we go to work, and we do our, go to school, do this and do that. But do we take time to be his ambassadors and to be his witnesses as we're commanded to do? It's not a negative thing. It's a positive thing. Does that mean that every time you share Christ with someone, they're going to say, you know what, I'm so thankful that you shared that with me. I've been waiting for someone to share that with me for years. No, sometimes they're going to call you names and they're going to bully you. You know, I, I've told you this so many times. I remember I got saved while I was teaching at Horseheads High School. And um, I used to go into the faculty room, you know, when you have your break. And believe it or not, I probably shared this a million times too, the, the faculty rooms in that they were segregated, not by race. You had men's faculty rooms and you had women's faculty rooms. It was considered, like, stupid to have women in with the men in the faculty room. But anyway, I used to walk into the men's faculty room and this other biology teacher, I won't say his name, Uh, I I would walk in after I got saved, and when I'd walk in, he'd go, "'Praise the Lord!' (laughs) He was mocking me. So what I'm trying to tell you, I know, anyway, what I'm trying to tell you is this. It doesn't mean that everyone you share Christ with is going to just say, "'Wow, hallelujah!' A lot of people are going to get mad at you. They're going to become angry at you. And you want to know why Pastor Frank brought this out in the first service? Because what you're sharing with them is convicting them of their sin. They want to continue in their sin unhampered. They don't want anyone to tell them what they're doing is wrong. You know, people say, well, I don't believe any of that. They do. But they don't want to believe it. Because they want to continue on. Doing what they want to do. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Woe to men mighty at drinking wine. Well to men valiant for mixing intoxicating drink, who justify the wicked for a bribe and take away justice from the righteous man. Therefore, as the fire devours the stubble and the flames consume the chaff, so their root will be rottenness and their blossoms will ascend ascend like dust because they have rejected the law of the Lord of hosts and despise the word of the Holy One of Israel. Wow. If that isn't a wake-up call for the church, I don't know what is. You know, one of the things that I want to hear when I stand before the Lord, I know there's so many things that he would be able to accuse me of, even as a believer, but the fact is he doesn't. But I want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter in to your master's rest. Because however messed up I might be, however uh, many faults I might have, I love Jesus. And I want to encourage other people to love Jesus. I want to be his servant as long as I have breath. And I encourage you, brothers and sisters, to be willing to do the same. And if you're sitting here today, And you've never experienced the saving grace of Jesus Christ. Today's the day of your salvation. Just call upon the name of the Lord. Lord, forgive me a sinner. That's all you have to have to say. Lord, forgive me a sinner. I want to walk with you. And His Holy Spirit will come into your cardiac, your heart, your inner man, and you will feel a warmth and a passion for him that you've never felt before. How amazing the love of God is. Let's pray. Father, we come before you in Jesus Yeshua's name and how thankful we are for your love, your unconditional, uncompromising, unwavering love for all of us. And we pray, Father, that you would forgive our sin and transgression, fill us with your Holy Spirit, and use us, Lord, to minister to this just lost and decrepit and decayed world that we might be light that we might truly be an instrument of bringing salvation, not encouraging sin. So, Father, help us to take a stand for your word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you, my dear friends.